You are listening to the weekly sermon from Elevation Community Church in Blanchester, Ohio. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Daniel Yelverton. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit myelevationcc.org. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Elevation Community Church. We are so glad that you've joined us this morning. And if this is your first time joining us, I wanted to extend a special welcome to you. We are in the beginning of a new series that we're calling Shift. We are shifting and moving from what was to what will be. We want to see what God is doing in this new season and we want to shift towards that. And we're gonna look at four different areas during this series. The first, we're gonna look at our relationship with God and if we need to shift from religious and rigid to real and authentic. The second thing we're gonna look at is prayer. Do we need to shift our prayer from passive to purposeful and powerful? The next thing we're gonna look at is worship. And do we need to shift from insignificant to intimate worship? And the last is our reliance on the Holy Spirit. Do we need to shift from superficial to supernatural? So we're so glad that you've joined us this morning. And this morning, I wanna talk about our relationship with God. And if we need to shift from religious, from an old religious system or rigidity to uh, realness and to authenticity. So when I say religion though, I know it's a huge hot button topic and it comes with a lots of different feelings, emotions, and, all, and we could go all different directions. So for our time today, I wanna define religion as a human effort to be reconciled or made right with God based on our actions, to try and earn God's favor by what we do. Once again, that's gonna be a human effort to try to be reconciled or made right with God based on our actions, to try and earn God's favor by what we do. You see, Jesus came to reconcile us back to the Father, but in order for us to be reconciled, there had to have been a break. And to do that, we need to go, we need to go all the way back to the beginning to see where that happened. You see, God, in the beginning, he made us for relationship. When he formed Adam, he formed him out of the dust, and he breathed life into him face to face and intimate. And then they would spend time together. They would walk together in the cool of the day. However, that relationship was broken when Adam and Eve stopped trusting in God and his character and his goodness and instead chose to rely on what they thought was best. And because of that, sin entered the world and right behind sin came pain, sickness, suffering, and death. And since that point, man has been wrestling with the question, how can I be made right with God? And out of that came religion, a list of practices, rules, and demands to try to bring us back to God or to try to appease him to avoid pain and suffering in this world. Every religion in the world has this. They have guidelines for people to follow to make themselves right with God or to make the gods happy because if not, something bad will happen to them and so they have to make things right and be reconciled back to God or their gods. Because sin is in this world, we have had this ingrained in us, whether we are following Jesus or not. And something within us wrestles with this brokenness in this world to try and understand it and understand why. And Jesus came to shift all of this, to bring us to something brand new, to bring us back to relationship with God, not based on works, rules, or the law, 
but by faith in the great love that God has for us. However, this caused conflict with the established religious system and with the religious leaders that built their whole life influence and wealth on it. Like many religious leaders, there was tension to want to go back to the comfortable and the familiar. And isn't that true with us? We want to go back to the comfortable and familiar to place God in a very predictable box. And this conflict came to a head as the religious leaders confronted Jesus about not following the law. And Jesus replied in Mark 2, 21. It says, who would patch an old cloth with new, or who would patch old clothing with a new cloth? For the new patch would shrink and rip away the old cloth, leaving an even bigger tear than before. And no one puts new wine in old wineskins, for the wine would burst the wineskins, and the wine and the skins would both be lost. New wine calls for new wineskins. New wine calls for new wineskins. So with new wine, with something new, there has to be a shift. We can't go back. We need new wineskins. We need to shift to something new that Jesus is doing in this season and not go back to the old ways. So my question to you is, how do we know that we are putting new wine in old wineskins? I think a great place for us to look is how we view laws, rules, and commands, and what are their purpose? What are the laws really for? You see, early religious practices, and honestly, even religious practices to this day, believe that rules are to make God happy, that rules are there to be followed to please God, to make God's favor come on us. However, Jesus flipped this concept completely upside down. When being confronted by the religious leaders about the rules and regulations of the Sabbath, Jesus said in Mark 2, 27, he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. You know, Andy Stanley, the pastor at North Point Church in Atlanta, Georgia, says it this way, that you don't have kids so someone will play with the toys. You don't have, uh, look around your house and think, oh my gosh, we have all of these toys. We should have kids so they can play with the toys. It's the other way around. Just in the same regard, God did not create man so that he would have someone to obey his laws. God did not create man so that he would have someone to obey his laws. It's the other way around. Just like the toys are for the benefit of the kids, laws are for the benefit of us. And when we elevate laws above people, we have it backwards. They're for our good and they're for our protection. So I have some questions for you. Have you ever thought you were doing something right for God that meant degrading, demeaning, pushing aside, or condemning another individual, even an individual stuck in sin? Or how about this? Have you ever demeaned, degraded, pushed aside, or even condemned yourself because you thought God was angry at you for not following his rules? If so, you may need to make a shift from a religious view towards your relationship with God to one that is real and authentic. Because obeying the rules or laws is not what makes us right with God. And when we believe or when we think or even live like that, then we have essentially fallen away from the grace that we've received from Jesus. Galatians 5, 4 through 6 says it this way. 
If you are trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping the law, you have been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from God's grace. But we who live by the Spirit eagerly wait to receive by faith the righteousness God has promised to us. For if we place our faith in Christ, there is no benefit for being circumcised or uncircumcised. Okay, so what's going on here is that uh, Jewish converts to Christianity were trying to force Gentiles to follow their Jewish laws and Jewish regulations. And Paul is saying because of faith in Christ, there's no benefit of these old ways, these old wineskins. Paul says what is important now, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself in love. Faith, your faith, my faith in Jesus expressing itself in love. It is not so important that we obey all the requirements of the law, but that our faith is shown by our love. You see, Jesus would reduce all of the commands of the Old Testament and all of its requirements into two commands. When confronted, Jesus said this in Matthew 22, 37 through 40. Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all its demands of the prophets are based on these two commands. All of the Old Testament can be summed up in this. Love God and love others. And these commands are not individually exclusive commands. They are connected and they are linked together. And I'll get to that in just a second. But first, if our command is to love God, what does that look like? First, we need to understand where our love for God draws from or where it originates from. 1 John 4, 9 and 10 said, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us first. And he sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Guys, we need to shift our relationship with God because we need to know that we can't earn God's love. That our, and if our, our love for him is not based on what we do, that our love for him is that he loved us first. That God loved you before you were born. Before you made your first mistake, he loved you. And after you made your hundred thousandth mistake, he loves you. Can I pause for a second? As parents, I'm gonna talk to you specifically and, and I'm even gonna talk to dads, more importantly because I'm a father. Our kids should not have to do anything to earn our love and approval. It should be theirs because they're our kids. You see, that's how God treats us, and we need to model that to them. And I think that's why this is such a hard concept for us to grasp and relate to God in this way, because for many of us, we have or have had broken relationships with our parents and with our fathers. And the concept of love and approval being on us just because we're kids doesn't always make sense. But I wanna tell you this morning that it is true that God loves us because you are you and you are his child. Ephesians 1, 4 and 5 says that even before he, God, made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Even before he made the world, 
He loved you. He loved me. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself, the reconciling, through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. It gave God such great pleasure to bring you back into his family, to adopt you, and his love for you was not based on anything that you've done because it was there before you were even born. You see, we love God out of response to his love, not because we've earned it. Religion tells us we need to earn it. Relationship tells us we need to receive it. We love God out of response to his love, not because we've earned it. I'm gonna say that again. Religion tells us that we need to earn it and relationship tells us we just need to receive it. So how do you know you need to make this shift from religion to relationship? I wanna ask you a few more questions. Have you ever entered a church or even been fearful of ever going to church because you were afraid God was angry with you and was gonna strike you with lightning? If so, you may need to shift from a religious view of God to a relationship. Or how about this? Have you ever thought to yourself, man, I, I just need to get right with God. And so in order to do that, I'm gonna go back to church. Have you ever thought to yourself, okay, in order for me to get right with God, I need to go back to church. Guys, I wanna tell you one thing. Church is vital. It's so important. It's so good to be a part of a group of believers that love Jesus and that love you. However, that does not make you right with God. God loved you before you were even created. And we can't earn God's love based on what we do. Last question, have you ever told yourself that you need to do something right or get something right in your own life before you come back to God or before he will love you? Guys, this is where we need to shift because God loves us so much. He's put his love on you before you were even born. We need to shift from religion and rigidity to a real and authentic relationship. And we need to come to God as a father that loves us and wants to be reconciled back to us, not based on our action. It's just because he loves you because you're his kids. But what about Jesus' second command? Love others. And remember when I said earlier that loving God and loving others is linked? Well, let's look at what the Apostle John says in, John, in 1 John 4, verses 20 through 21. If anyone says, I love God, but hates his brothers, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this is the command that we have from him, meaning Jesus. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. You see, guys, we cannot love God and have any animosity, hatred, bitterness towards, mistreat, demean, or degrade, or not forgive other people. Think about it this way. If my son mistreats my daughter, we are gonna have a problem. There's gonna be a conflict. There's gonna be discipline. I need to correct him because it's not okay for my son to mistreat my daughter. And in the same way, it is not okay for us to think that we are good with God when we mistreat those he loves and those he has called his children. And who is that? Well, John 3.16 will tell us. God so loved the world. And so when we treat others and we mistreat them, even when we think we are doing something right for God, we are actually not in aligned with his love. Jesus said this in, in Matthew 5. 
He said that before you take your, if you're taking your sacrifice to the altar and then you realize, I have a conflict with my brother, leave your sacrifice, don't worship God, don't bring your sacrifice and gift to God. Instead, go and be reconciled with your brother and then come back and worship God. In that same way, Jesus is saying that like, it supersedes our worship for God to be reconciled with other people. You see, this is why Jesus was so angry and spoke so harshly to the religious leaders because they justified mistreating others in order to please God and that is completely wrong. So if we can evaluate our current relationship with God by how we treat others, how do you feel like you're doing? You know what, I have some areas that I'd love for us to reflect on and these are not all encompassing questions but here's the first, one I wanna ask, first question I wanna ask you. On a scale of one to 10, one being the worst and 10 being the best, how easily are you offended by others? Think about your social media posts, when you drive, or how quickly your anger can rise up towards people that slight you or disrespect you. Because Colossians 3.13 says we need to make allowance for each other's faults. Romans 2 says that God was kind and tolerant and patient with us to bring us back to repentance. Are we doing the same for others? Are we bringing cushion and allowance for people's faults? Second question, have you ever confessed your sins to God and asked for forgiveness without going and making amends with somebody else, especially the person that you hurt? Have you ever felt like you were right with God by asking for forgiveness to God but not made amends with a person that you hurt? Have you ever, have you extended forgiveness to those who have hurt you? If not, you may need to make a shift from a religious relationship with God to one that you love God and love others and show your love for God by how you treat others. Colossians 3.13 says, uh, the, the next part of the verse says, we need to forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you. The Lord, he originated the forgiveness, so you must forgive others. There's no caveat there. There's no sin that's unpardonable when it comes to a sin that we've done for other people or that other people have done sins to us. And I know this hits really hard because I know we've been hurt, we've been betrayed. But because of Jesus' forgiveness and God's forgiveness to us through Jesus, we need to forgive other people. Third question, on a scale of one to 10, do you find yourself easily frustrated? Are you burdened or even unaware aware of the needs of people around you? Do you see somebody in need and are you moved to compassion? Philippians 2, three through five says it this way, don't be selfish, don't try to impress others, be humble, think of others better than yourself. Don't look out only for your own interests, your agenda, the things that you want done, your day and how you want your day to go, but think about the interest of others too. You must have the same attitude that Jesus Christ had. Galatians 6.2 says we need to share each other's burdens and in this way we obey the law of Christ. Last question. Do you allow any barrier to become between you and another person? Meaning, do you allow race, financial situation, political views, or their life choices, whatever it is, do you allow that to separate you from another person or treat them as less valuable? Jesus was known for loving the worst people, the traitors to their nation, he loved them, the prostitutes, the sexually immoral, the poor, the diseased, physical, mental, and spiritual diseases, those who were in bondage, Jesus pursued them and loved them. And Paul says it this way, that because of Jesus, there's no longer barriers between people. 
Galatians 6, 23 through 28. For we, for you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. So if we have faith in Christ Jesus, we are all children of God. And we have all been united with Christ in baptism. uh, And we have put on Christ just like putting on new clothes. There's no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female. We are all one in Christ. Do you allow something else, an ideal a situation, someone's life choices to create distance between you and them when Jesus broke down that barrier to make us one. So let us shift in this time. Let us shift from what was. Shift from the religious notion that we had to do something to be right with God. That we had to follow rules to be accepted. That God would only love us if we would follow, follow certain commands. Uh, and, or that we could still love God and disregard and push away and neglect and even judge other people that are precious to Jesus, so precious that he would die for them. May we be marked by unwavering love and show our our unwavering love for God and show that love by sacrificially loving for people. May we not be marked by the ability to follow rules and regulations, but may we be marked by a faith that is solely driven by love. Jesus would say it best in John 13, verses 34 and 35. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. This is a new law. This is our marching orders, how we should live. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Let us shift from this. Let us move away from a list of rules. Let us be marked by a love for God and a love for others because honestly, that's all that matters is our faith expressed in this kind of love. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, I ask right now that you give us the strength to follow you in this great love. Father, I speak against any condemnation that people may be feeling right now. We have inherited these religious belief systems that feel that we need to be right with God by what we do. May that be torn down. Create new wineskins in us that you can pour this new wine, this new freedom that's found in Christ. Father, may we look at others and treat others the way that you love and that you treat them. Father, may we do this because you have given us everything that we need. You have been so generous. You have forgiven us. You have served us. You have loved us greatly. So let us be marked by those same attributes, by how we treat others. Let us shift, God. Shift from this, from a relationship that's based on religion and rules and following a bunch of commands and condemnation and guilt and shame and let us shift towards a loving acceptance from a father that has thrown his love on us from the beginning of time and a group of people that recklessly and sacrificially love others because Jesus, you did that for us and others deserve the same because you did it for them as well. God, give us the strength, give us the power, give us the ability to do this. It's only by your spirit that we can do this. What is impossible for us is possible with God. Thank you, Jesus, for all that you do. In your name, amen. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. If you'd like to go deeper with another resource from our church, please check out our weekly Impact Bible Study podcast as well. Both of our weekly podcasts are available on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud.